0: hello everybody and welcome to another episode of what the funk thank you so much for being here today i'm really stoked about today's topic because i feel like i've had a lot of conversations with people in the dms lately where they're like i'm gonna go buy an allergy test <laughs> because they are having some gut issues they might be having some skin issues they might be having some issues of fatigue and they think that they want to they want to make sure you know, that they are like, oh, I don't want to eliminate foods if I don't need to eliminate them. But I'm here to tell you about food sensitivities, food sensitivity tests, and why they're not necessarily the best option. If you think you have a food issue, the thing that people don't realize is that The food sensitivity or food allergy that you might be experiencing is likely not the root cause of your overall issues. It's usually a subsequent issue of something else like intestinal permeability and high levels of inflammation that made you susceptible to having some food sensitivity issues. So let's talk about food sensitivity tests um, what they are looking for and kind of what they mean. Um, so there's a couple different tests. Um, an IgG test, um, only shows us the reactivity to a certain food. It doesn't actually tell us like what or why you're reacting to that food. Um, and then there's also an IgE test, which IgG and IgE are, Immunoglobulins, right? They're they're antibodies that are produced um, in response to a food. Um, IgE will produce antibodies even if you've eaten a food recently, or if you've eaten it frequently. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have an allergy or sensitivity, right? So why do we do these tests? Well, if If you have something that's gonna be like a super high level of allergic reaction, it's kind of good to know. But if you're just looking for like low level food sensitivities, they're not necessarily like the best option. And they can be pretty pricey. Um, I'm very lucky if I have a client who wants to access these, I can access them sometimes at a cheaper rate than what they can maybe get through their doctor. Um, just through my own resources, um, with my functional nutrition and metabolic specialization certification. Um, I have the access to these resources, which is really, really nice. And actually we'll tell you, um, a little bit later on in the podcast about a client where we did order a food sensitivity panel for her, but that was a really specific situation. Um, the best way to sort of determine what foods you're sensitive to and what ones you're not is really to do an elimination diet, which is what a lot of people want to avoid. But it's sort of unavoidable even if you get one of these tests. And again, I'm going to walk you through um, my client's sort of case study, if you will, of like what she was dealing with, what we did, what kind of testing we did and what our strategies were for her. Um, so other things that we have to look for besides just using like a basic serum lab with a food sensitivity panel, because it doesn't give us the full picture. We have to monitor that biofeedback. You know, are you having any bloating? Are you having any fatigue? Do you break out in a rash, right? Um, is it causing any brain fog? Um, that's a big one. If you eat a food and you get a lot of fatigue and brain fog, that it's probably not sitting super, super hot with you. Um, and doing all of that takes a level of dedication and a level of, you know, being willing to report back on things that understandably a lot of people don't want to do. But the flip side of that coin is you need to do something different than what you've done before in order to see a different result. And so sometimes it does require people coming in and saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like when I am talking with somebody who I might potentially be working with, um, Oh, you know, and for a co- from a coach's perspective, you know, as somebody who deals with a lot of the hormone stuff, the gut health stuff, the helping with the medical advocacy, how do we optimize somebody's lifestyle stress management movement to best support their hormonal and metabolic and digestive health? I'm usually running certain things past people and I'm asking them questions to see if they're coachable in this space, right? Just because You can pay me doesn't mean I want your money, (laughs) but are you coachable in this space? If I say, Hey, you know, would you be open to doing a daily biofeedback form where we really closely monitor your digestive health? where we really closely monitor your fatigue and your energy levels. Are you open to doing something like that? Because if I ask somebody on a week-to-week basis how they felt, they're giving me like a very broad overview. But if I'm able to monitor how many bowel movements they're having in a day, what those quality of the bowel movements are, and if they had any bloating or cramping or other indigestion over the course of several weeks or potentially months, usually months, um, I can see what changes we make to their plan, what they're doing, And how that's reflecting in their overall progress. And a lot of times, those smaller, minute things like the fatigue, like the brain fog, like the bloating, they're not overnightly, they're not gone overnight. And it's a much more gradual process than people realize. And it's usually not accompanied by a huge physical transformation in terms of body composition or weight loss. It's much more internal. And so, we have to have a way to monitor that side of progress. And so, a lot of times, it's me telling somebody, cool, I need to see a a digestive daily biofeedback from you because you're having yourself reporting all of these types of issues. And again, it's that willingness to say, okay, I have these problems and I want to overcome them. I'm willing to do an elimination diet. I'm willing to do the reintroduction phase and I'm willing to do some daily food logs for six to nine months to see if I can get this under control and see the progress that I really want to see and actually feel like a like a human again, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about helping people feel better and giving them the tools to cut down on the time that it would otherwise take had you tried to do it yourself. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Um, Trying to do this yourself without somebody else monitoring can add many, many more months onto this process. Okay, so what causes intolerances to certain foods? Um, Sometimes it's just sort of like, low gut immune function. So maybe there's an underlying overgrowth of bacteria. Maybe there's a pathogen. Maybe these are parasites. So it's not even an allergy or a sensitivity to begin with. There's another issue happening underneath. Um, sometimes we have a fear of a certain food from a passive disordered eating or um, you know other traumas that can cause fears of certain foods or certain things. Um, I actually personally struggle with this where I had certain foods that I used to be able to eat. And I'm actually currently in the process of working through some of this myself. Um, and I know logically, I can realistically eat those certain foods. But I had a medical provider on point tell me "Oh, don't eat this. <laughs> and uh, it really fucked with my relationship with that that food. And now I don't eat them. Because when I eat them, I can't tell always if it's my asthma, or if it's my anxiety Kicking up, and I don't know how to differentiate between those two things because sometimes they feel very similar. Um, if you've ever had an, had an anxiety attack, you know. And my physical symptoms of anxiety manifest a lot in like my breathing and my ability to swallow. Um, and so, when I eat something that I used to be able to eat just fine, and now all of a sudden I can't eat it, well, now it's been so long since I've had those things, I'm afraid to eat them. So, again, I'm dealing with that. I'm like, I have my own things that I'm doing to help me get and work through some of that. And it's a slow process, but it's worth it for me to go through it because I don't like being scared of food um, due to anxiety. And really, it's a trauma response at the end of the day. But beside the point, um, if you've had any kind of disordered eating, a lot of times what happens is if you've had a history of disordered eating, you have a really large disruption in your enzyme production, your acid production, your microbiome, and that can make it really hard for you to eat and digest certain foods. Or you can feel some of the results of sensitivities from those foods because of the disruptions in your digestive immune response or your digestive just functions as a baseline. Um, And so uh, even stress can cause Some issues with food, if you have high levels of stress or high histamines, um, you know, in in your environment, um, high stress can sometimes exacerbate like high histamines and you eat like a high histamine food. Sometimes people have to take histamine blockers in order to eat certain foods. And it's not that they're necessarily allergic to them, it's that their body is in such a reactive state that we have to have that in place for them. Um, And again, that can be overcome through stress management, immune support, really making sure we're meeting basic health markers, which is, again, it's kind of crazy. Right, and you're like, but wait, what if that? But, but the allergy test. I'm like, this is why. This is why the allergy tests are kind of pointless because there's so many other things that can cause these sensitivities besides just like an immunoglobulin response, um, and they don't always show up on these tests. And even if you've eaten that food recently, it might show up on the test. That doesn't necessarily mean. You're allergic to it. <laughs> um, and so why is this important? Well, your gut health and your immune system, we talk about your lowered immune function can, causing some of these, can cause some of these sensitivities. And earlier I mentioned leaky gut being sort of a root cause of food sensitivities. Again, the food isn't the issue. It's your digestive health that's the issue. Um, 70% of your immune system is in your gut. We have to recognize and realize that the enzymes, acids, and the de- bacteria present are the first line of defense for pathogenic bacteria bacteria in our bodies. And when the digestive system is compromised and it's it's unable to effectively fight back towards toxins and bacteria, this is where these bigger issues can develop. Like leaky gut syndrome, the digestive lining gets compromised and food sensitivities can sort of arise from the situation. Um, And so I want to talk about my client, Nancy, because she came to me. um, We had talked for a while she'd been having a lot of skin issues a lot of health issues a lot of bloating a lot of brain fog a lot of fatigue um prior to her coming to work with me and again i was very honest and upfront with her about the whole process i was like listen just based on like talking to you this is kind of what we're gonna have to do and she initially was like very against it and i was like cool no problem like you if when you're ready for it i will be here like just let me know. I'm not in a rush. And she eventually did come around. And because she was just so tired of living in a body that she felt like not at home in, like she didn't like how she felt on a day-to-day basis. So she didn't feel like herself, right? She was having rashes. She was having bloating. And she could really only find management of the symptoms. She couldn't really find any real relief. Um, and now she did uh, get a food sensitivity panel from a doctor she was working with um, that showed a lot of things that she initially took out, but doing that initial elimination didn't necessarily solve anything. Um, Because again, these elimination or these, these food sensitivity panels can sometimes be a little bit misleading. And on her first food sensitivity panel, we marked 23 things that she was sensitivity, sensitive to, to a low degree. And like a couple things that she was more highly sensitive to, but we didn't just eliminate those foods. Essentially we did what is called a low FODMAP diet. Um, the reason I like to do a low FODMAP diet sometimes in this situation is, um, she was showing biofeedback consistent with just bacterial overgrowth. Um, And I wanted to essentially starve that bacteria. We wanted to get her body able to let that bacteria die off. And essentially FODMAPs are highly fermentable foods that will continue to feed the bacteria, whether it's overgrown or not. And then, so we eliminated a bunch of foods. We did a low FODMAP diet. We got her exercising regularly again, but nothing so intense that it was going to compromise her essentially recovery. Um, And We started to also work on stress management. We got her doing yoga a few times a week, which was really awesome. And then after a lot of her biofeedback sort of decreased, she started to express, you know, she goes, I really, I really just want to start eating more foods again. I'm like, you will be able to, like, I'm going to get you there. But she had a lot of fear because of this prior food sensitivity panel. And so I said, "Listen, you're at a point where your biofeedback is really solid. We've seen a lot of good progress. You've lost even some body fat, your bloating has reduced significantly, you've had no issues with your skin, you have a lot more energy, you're much more clear-headed. Let's start doing a food reintroduction." But she wanted to do another food sensitivity panel because that's what she had done prior. And who am I, if the woman wants to do it, I was like, we can do one, just so you can see that your immune response to food is much lower than it was before is really, at the end of the day, what we were looking for. We're, and what we were able to do is we pulled essentially the same panel that we did before, and now she's only flagging for three things. And then she was like, okay, I'm much more comfortable doing this food reintroduction now and bringing back in some of the foods that I had brought out. And this was over the course of three months that we did this elimination and started to reattempt this re- reintroduction, right? So this is not months and months and months on end. This was just three months where we really got her feeling better, reduced a lot of the immune response towards food. And now we're slowly doing a reintroduction of certain foods. And she's been able to reintroduce a lot of things, beef, turkey, almonds, like, and she's had no issues whatsoever. (laughs) Um, Which is, again, we really focused on removing the things that were causing sort of inflammatory responses again not necessarily like an allergic response but an inflammatory response in her body due to the compromised gut health give her time to reduce stress really build a solid foundation for movement for food intake She was eating a lot of nutrient-dense meals really worked on stress really got her um you know just her head on straight essentially with taking care of her body because she's a mom and she's a wife and she's used to putting everybody else before herself. And we finally got her really taking care of her and her family and her husband have been so wonderful in supporting her in all of this, which is that, that's, that's a huge piece of, I think her success is that she's had such a really solid environment to do all of this with. And they've really had her back through this whole process, um, within her home. Um, and then, um, even when she traveled a lot, she would like pack her own food and do those, things and again it's a conversation of sometimes we have to go through these things and we have to say no to other things in order to say yes to our health and it requires in the short term making choices and decisions that are not necessarily balanced they're not but they're required in order to see the needle move Um, and now we've essentially we eliminated things got her initial symptoms and acute discomforts down. And then, in addition to supporting stress and sleep and movement, we focused on additional protocols that were supportive of repairing the intestinal lining with some supplementation, keeping some certain foods out, and then re inoculating with probiotics not just with probiotics, but also starting to change up what food she brings in on a certain week to help rebuild that gut microbiome because probiotics, right? So we did the low map helped starve off some of that bacteria overgrowth that she was kind of showing signs of. And then we're re-inoculating after a period of elimination, reintroducing, uh, um, not reintroducing foods yet, but essentially. Uh, alternating, that's the word I was looking for, alternating through different foods to help improve the microbiome because a varied diet is one of the best things that you can do to support gut health from the microbiome standpoint um, and a bacteri- bacterial standpoint essentially. And now we're bringing in foods and she feels fantastic. Like Since we got all this done, it's she's been able to reintroduce, I think, almost everything that she was not eating before. And She feels amazing. And for her, the big win here is that she's got her essentially vow renewal coming up after the new year. And so she's not only gotten, you know, she's dropped a lot of body fat. We've, she's also postpartum. She's, she's a mom. And so we did some customized workouts that really supported that deep core support to help kind of bring in that core strength. We've gotten her a lot of the inflammation and bloating down. So her midsection, she's dropped so many inches just in her midsection. And she's like, I'm going to be able to eat the food at my wedding and feel so confident in my dress. <sighs> Like, I can't wait to see photos of this. I'm, she's going to look stunning. I mean, she would have looked stunning anyway. But for me, the fact that she's going to look stunning comes from just the confidence and her ability to move through life now, not afraid of food, not fearing that she's going to break out in a bunch of things, and that she has to avoid everything and pack her own food every day, every time every time she goes somewhere. Now, there's a lot of things that we're going to make sure we keep in her protocol, right, from supporting nutrients, varied nutrients in her diet, um, that she is cooking a lot of her meals at home still, and not like just going and getting fast food and forgetting to meal prep, um, that we're going to keep stress sleep management and a balanced exercise routine. in as a part of her just basic health day-to-day tasks that she needs to check off. Um, and so that's kind of an example of where, like, we got a food sensitivity test, and the food sensitivity test didn't necessarily tell us from the beginning to the end, hey, you're allergic to these things, and now you're not allergic to these things. It's just essentially showing like how much her body is responding to certain things. Now, granted, in the second test, a lot of things probably didn't flag because we had eliminated a lot of things, but this is where she's doing a daily biofeedback form. We're doing weekly check-ins. We're monitoring her progress. And so we're not just relying on this test telling us yeah you're nay on certain things. We're really watching how she's feeling on a day-to-day basis, how her digestion is. Is she hasn't have she having any other skin issues? Um, how is her brain fog? How is her energy? And that's driving our decision making forward. We're not just relying on what this like serum lab is telling us. So, and again, for me, the gold standard is always gonna be elimination reintroduction, monitoring biofeedback, killing, a, helping somebody kill off that bacteria, re-inoculating their digestive system, and then moving them into a new way of living that helps them to continue to support their digestive health. So if you do have questions or you want to actually talk to Nancy about any of kind of her experience with all of this, um, just shoot me a DM. I'm sure she'd, you know, she'd be happy to kind of like talk with you. She's talked to you because i talk about all my friends. You know, she I tell all my friends about like how much better I feel. Um, if you have any questions, really any kind of issue that you might be dealing with, my clients are always happy to like talk with people in the DMS. I'm, I'm more than happy to hook you up with one of my clients in the DMS and you can pick their brain about what their experience has been. Um, all right, you guys. So hopefully this was a helpful talk today on like food sensitivity issues, food sensitivity tests, what really we need to look for when it comes to food sensitivity tests, when they, where they may or may not be helpful. Um, and what we also need to look for along side of any kind of testing that we do it same goes for even just like a hormone metabolic panel right i can pull somebody's labs look at their hormones but i'm not just looking at the numbers i'm always going to be looking at how they're feeling how they're showing up on a day-to-day basis and then looking at how they're feeling as part of their daily progress in this part in this leg of the journey because it does require sometimes a bit more attention to detail on a day-to-day basis in order to get the needle moved for these issues that you might be dealing with all right you guys any other questions feel free to let me know. My DMs are always open. Thank you so much for being here today. And I'll catch you later. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. My handle is at Elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time.